something we want to do at the end of the service. We twist the order of service up just a little bit. We still are going to do communion today. Amen. Uh, but I wanted to, um, uh, you know, uh, get into the word and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back and, and we'll do communion at the end of the service. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you guys to turn with me uh, to the book of Psalms, the 46th number. And we've been talking from this subject, be still and know. Hallelujah. Everybody say, be still and know. Glory to God. I want to start with verse number one, uh, and, um, and we'll, we're going to jump down to verse number 10. That's the one that we've been focusing in on, because we've taken a look at Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah and how they were surrounded by the enemy. We looked at Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah and how we understood that sudden fear came in. But we also, as we looked at that story, we saw how when you learn how to put God first, when you learn how to face your fears, when you learn how to entrust everything to God, he has a way of discombobulating your enemies. Can I get a witness? Y'all know the story how it was that that, that the enemy that, that gathered together to attack Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah ended up turning on themselves and destroying each other. That's what God will do for you, amen. When your enemies rise up against you, can I get a witness? He'll make them your footstool and he'll even destroy them for you. See, God loves each one of us and he has a desire to see each one of us advance kingdom principles and live so that our lives can bring him glory. If you don't if you don't learn anything else, one of the things I want you to do and I want you to catch hold of is this this fact. God desires to use you. Yes, you. You yeah, yeah, you the one who messed up royally. Yes, you the one who don't always focus in on God. He still desires to use you and me to advance his kingdom principles. And God saved us, amen, amen, for that very purpose. Now watch this. The text says here, uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. How many of y'all need some help when you get in trouble? How many of y'all know who to call on when you get in trouble? Glory to God. Even, even, even folk who ain't halfway saved, when they get in trouble, they go, Jesus. As if they know him, as if they have a relationship. There's something about calling on that name when you have a relationship with him that actually brings you to a point to where, where you can trust and have peace. Amen. So uh, it says, look at verse number two. It says what? Therefore, we therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Verse three, let's go. It says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Salah. Verse four, let's go. It says what? Uh, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. Verse number five says what? God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Okay. Verse, next verse says what? Uh, the heathen raised. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Verse number seven. Let's go. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Remember when we first started this series, we talked about cities of refuge. And how cities of refuge were given by God to protect those who may have accidentally hurt somebody or killed someone. Because in those days, if somebody uh, killed your, your relative, you had uh, uh, the rule of the day was you go after them, you kill them blood for blood. But God knew that there are times when stuff happened by accident or not on purpose. And so he established what we call cities of refuge what you can run into and be saved. How many of y'all need some cities of refuge in your life today? How many of y'all need to run to a place of protection? Because sometimes you get out there and you make a bad choice and a bad decision that, that really, if justice would have had its way, you need to be wiped out, right? How many of y'all, I want to see the hands of everybody here who's made a decision, and you knew you made a decision, you knew it was wrong, but, you, but, but God protected you anyhow. Anybody been there before? Well, you made a choice and decision, out of your emotions. And that's what it usually happens, right? How many of y'all have made a choice or decision out of your emotion? 
that you regretted after you made that decision. Here's why I want to be, guys. I want to get to a point in my life where I'm making decisions, amen, out of principle and precept and command. I know emotions are a part of us and we are an emotional being, but we should never lead with our emotions. Am I right about that? Especially when it comes to our decisioning, because if you lead with your emotions, you will find yourself being in a whole lot of trouble. Can I get a witness? Some of you, if you lead with your emotions, you, you, if you had a lead with your emotions, you wouldn't even be here today, would you? Because some sometimes you don't feel like being in church, but we don't go by our feelings. Some of y'all sitting right next to a person right now, if you had a lead by your emotion, you wouldn't be with that person today, would it? Can I get one witness up in here? How many of you ever felt like breaking up? Can I get half a witness? How many of you ever felt like, hey, listen, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of your mess. I need to, I need to, y'all ain't talking to me. See, this is a transparent lesson today, okay? So I need to know, I need to see everybody in who's ever been in a relationship and there have been times where you, you want to move out of your emotion and say, I, I, I quit. I give up. I don't want this anymore. Huh? Anybody ever been there before? But thank God that you didn't move out of your emotion because you may have missed the sweeter parts of the relationship that came through a level of maturity and growth that now that relationship is, is humming like a sewing machine. Can I get a witness? How many got a relationship that's sweet right about now? But had you given up two years into that thing, yeah, yeah, we, Marrera and I wouldn't be together right now had, had we moved out of our emotions, amen, 30 years ago. That was, we've been married 32 years. So 30 years ago, it, 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 two years into the thing, had we moved out of our emotions, we wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be the pastor of this church and she, she wouldn't be the first lady. Can I get a witness? But I thank God that when we learn how to move by principle, then we can see God ordering our steps. Can I get half a witness up in here? But now watch this. The Lord of hosts is, our, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Even when we mess up royally and we deserve to be taken out, God will, just like he provides that city of refuge, God will still protect us even when we don't do what we're supposed to do. I thank God he doesn't throw us away when we mess up royally. Can I get a witness? Now let's go to verse 8. Let's read. It says what? Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. Verse, verse 9 and 10. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burned the chariot in the fire. Verse number 10. That's where we're going. Be still, what? And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Everybody say, be still and know. Now watch, watch this. We, we, we. The last time I preached to you, which was a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, uh, or maybe last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing my Sundays here. Uh, last week, we began to talk about the fact that there are some, some, some gifts that this passage here in Psalms 46 reveals that God gives to us and makes available to us in times of overwhelming trouble. There are some, some giftings that God brings to the table for us. When we're in the midst of troubled times, are you listening to me today? The first thing that we talked about was what? Number one, we said what? Let's read. It says, God refreshes us in the midst of our trouble, okay? He refreshes us in the midst of our trouble. These are promises to, to those who have a covenant relationship with God. Because remember the story over in 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat was leading the nation. Jehoshaphat had matured in his leadership to the point that even as he faced the, the onslaught of the enemy, he had enough sense to set himself to seek the Lord. He had enough God on the inside of him to say that even though I, I see the enemy, I see the, the trap that's set for me, fear, sudden fear comes, but I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord. I'm going to put my mind on him. I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. I'm going to focus on God who's able to deliver me from my troubles. Watch this. God refreshes us in the midst of trouble. Go back to verse number four with the right quick, and we're going to move on down. He refreshes me in the midst of my 
troubles. The text says there is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river, the streams make glad the city of our God. Now, guys, let me tell you something. Whenever, whenever you find yourself being surrounded by uh, uh, the enemy, whenever you find, when I say the enemy, you know, the, how many of y'all recognize that we do uh, a battle in spiritual warfare against a real live enemy? Go with me right quick, if you will. Hold your place there, uh, and let's go to Ephesians chapter number 6. And you guys know this, and we're going to look at it from the New Living Translation. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 6. I believe that's where we want to go. Everybody still with me? Verse number 10, Ephesians 6 and 10. Be still and know. God will refresh us in the midst of our trouble. But we got to recognize that we serve, we face a real live enemy. Guys, do not get sidetracked and start thinking that people are your enemy. People are used by the ultimate enemy, which is Satan. Look at the text. It says, a final word. Paul is writing to whom? The church at Ephesus. And notice what Paul says. Be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. He says what? Next verse says what? Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. KJV says the wiles of the devil. In other words, for wiles and strategies is schemes. The devil will schematically come after you. Can, can, can we just break it down and talk for a second? The devil will scheme against you. The devil will do like a good football coach does. The devil will take your life's film and start to study it. How many of you know that, that, that playing football is more than just showing up on Sundays and Saturdays and Fridays? There is a week of preparation that has to go into place before you go out on that field to play that team. And the higher you get, amen, in uh, in uh in the game of football, whether it's, you know, when you're at peewee, peewee league and rec league, ain't a whole lot of strategy going on there, right? Because, again, in peewee ball, you get a ball to the best player on your team and tell them just run wide and go. <laughs> and right about it? Right, when you playing peewee ball, basketball, they give you the ball and say, go to the hole, right? Everybody else got away, just give it to, when you need a bucket, give it to the guy who's the best athlete. It doesn't take a whole lot of scheming. When you're playing peewee ball, as a matter of fact, when you're playing peewee rec league ball, you, you, those five-year-olds don't know what a scheme is. And if you sit there and try to draw it up on a chalkboard, they're not going to understand it. So at that level, you know, you know, not a whole lot of scheming going on because you just give to the, you know, the best player and let them go. But now as you go to high school, a little bit more in-depth involvement takes place. And then when you leave high school and go to college and play, there's a greater involvement that takes place. And when you leave there and go to the professional level, they do that for a living. Your living revolves around playing a game. But it takes a whole lot of film time, preparation, uh, uh, off-season workouts. All that stuff goes into play to strategize, to get ready for game one. They scheme. They see what you do on third and short. See, the devil is scheming to see what you do when somebody, amen, mean mugs you. He's watching you to see how you respond when your family member, amen, comes at you a certain way. And so what he does is he pushes the family member button to come push your button. Because he, he studied your life's he studies your life story and he understands that, that, that this kind of stuff gets you upset. This kind of stuff gets you into your emotion. And so what he does, he goes and pushes that person's button who pushes your button. And then now your button push. Come on now. And now your button's push. Some of y'all say, when my button get pushed, you better get out my way. Well, that's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Telling folks to get out of my way. Because you don't know me. I'm from Cedar Grove. I'm from Pine Hill. I'm from the bottom. I will cut you. See, when you go and start saying that kind of stuff, he's got you. Y'all don't know what Cedar Grove and the bottoms are. Trust me. Okay. All right, all right. There's a certain mindset when you come from those areas, right? 
All right. Now, if you're from those areas, I, I, I don't mean anything detrimental. I'm just telling you, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah. Okay. All right. You know what I mean, right? Amen. So, so, so he studied your life and he's scheming because he knows what your weaknesses are. He knows what you are susceptible to. He knows that you have an affinity for certain things. And he studied your life, and so he tries to bring those things into play as he tries to trip you up and keep you from advancing kingdom principles. So he says, put on all God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes and the strategy of the devil. Look at the next verse, verse 12, let's go. This is what? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in, dark, in the darkness, dark world, and against what? Evil spirits in heavenly places. In other words, see, when we, when we engage in spiritual warfare, it's not about uh, what you see in the natural, it's what you don't see in the, in the supernatural realm. There are demonic spirits that are strategizing to see how they can trip you up. Can they get a witness? Look at the next verse. Let's go. This is what? Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of trouble, in time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be what? Standing firm. After the battle, you will be what? Standing firm. Now, again, I only mention that because I need everybody here to recognize that if we're going to be successful in our Christian walk, we have to learn to do battle on a different plane. It's not about what you see in the natural. It's about what's happening in the supernatural. So let's go back to Psalms right quick. So the first thing that we understand is that, that, that God refreshes us in the midst of our troubles. He refreshes us in the midst of our trouble. I like what Jesus said in John 16 and 33. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world's system, the world's way of doing battle, the world's way of operating. Jesus says, I've overcome that. And so because I am in you, you can overcome it too. We should be overcomers, not underachievers, because we have Jesus on the inside of us. You got to start speaking to yourself like you are an overcomer, not an underachiever. See, see the enemy specializes in negative talk. The enemy specializes in, in bringing thoughts to your head and gets you to repeat them out of your mouth because he even knows that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. So if he can get us to start talking negatively, amen, about our situation and not talking, amen, through the avenue of faith, that he has us right where he wants us. Okay? So to host the fact, when he saw the... The enemy surrounded him, he began to speak faith-filled words. He began to share with them what God had done. So God refreshes us in the midst of trouble. Number two, we said what? Whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. Amen? Whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. He lives within us. Now, now watch this. He lives within us, so as a result, we can have rest. If I really think and I really have the understanding that the God who created the heavens and the earth abides on the inside of me, and that same power that, that abided in the, in the master, the Savior, abides in me, then it, it'll give me a great degree of confidence in being able to live this life out. The problem that we have is, is that many of us are not really sure about what we have. And if you're not sure what you have, you can't walk in confidence. You can't walk in faith. We have to know that the power of God abides on the inside of us. Look with me real quickly, if you will. Let's go uh, to, go with me, um, go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter number one, verses 13 and 14. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, no, I'll tell you what, go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse five and six. Everybody say, be still and know. That he is God. Amen. Hebrews 13 verses start um, at verse number five in that in that chapter. Hebrews 13 verse number five. All right. We're going to walk here and I'm going to give you the rest of these. And I'm going to give you some things that, that can help you to overcome your fears because fear 
is a hindrance to us moving with God. Fear is a hindrance to us moving with God. So how do we face those fears? How do we overcome those fears? Let's talk about it in just, just a second. Look at what the text says here. Are y'all ready? Let's read together. Now, now watch this, okay? The writer of Hebrews says something here, and we've, we've read this before, but watch what it says. The writer of Hebrews, who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says what? Don't love money. Stop. Can we read that out? Y'all didn't read that with me. Let's read it together. It says what? Okay, stop, stop, stop. Say, read it one more time. Okay, there's another passage that the, the love of money is the, the love of it. Now, we all know that we need money to live, right? Come on. Can you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need a little more money. How many of you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need a lot more money. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, we understand that all of us need money to live, right? And we also need to understand that God knows that we need that to live, correct? And he says he's the supplier of all of our need. But do you not know that one of the biggest fears that people have is the fear of financial failure? Financial failure grips people to the point that they won't obey God. That fear overrides them to the point where they won't obey God. When God says release, we say, uh-uh, I got to hold on to this because I'm scared what's going to happen. If I release that, what's going to happen? How am I going to make it? Well, God says, I'm the one who's going to provide for your need. I'm the one, if you will trust me and take me at my word, I'm the one who will bring you peace and deliverance in that area. But fear of financial failure grips a lot of people so much so that we won't trust God to be obedient when he tells us to sow, when he tells us to go bless someone. We tell us to release it. Fear calls us to not obey. So I want to get us past that point of fear, okay? Watch the text. Don't love money, but be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will what? Never abandon you. Now watch this. Notice what it does not say. It does not say it's wrong or evil to strive, amen, uh, uh, to, to do things at, at a higher level. It does not say it's wrong to ascribe, to pursue, amen, a higher paying job or, or to build your business or to increase your sales. It does not say that. When it says be satisfied, that means learn how to be content. Paul said this. He says, in whatever state that I'm in, therewith I've learned how to be content. Content means that I've learned how to be at peace. I've learned how to rest. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm satisfied, which means that I just settle for where I am. We ought to be always trying to move forward because God is a God who advances. Anything that's, that's, that's alive is what? Growing. And so if I'm alive in God, if I'm, if I'm trusting him for my resources, then I ought to be growing in every area of my life, including my financial wherewithal. But he says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Verse number six. Can we read it together? What does it say? So we can say with confidence, the Lord is what? Who is my helper? The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. But, but wait a minute, though. Why are we having fear then? If the text says the Lord is my helper, so I have no fear. Back up. So we can say with confidence. The writer to Hebrew says, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So if the Lord is my helper, why am I fearing? If the Lord is my helper, if I truly believe that the God who created the heavens and earth, a man adores me, he loves me unconditionally, and he is my protector and my provider, why am I fearing? I mean, with what I'm going to call, that there's two types of fear. There's constructive fear and there's destructive fear. Destructive fear is what the enemy sends our way. Paul said this, I think he's right, or one of the pastors says, uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, what? And a sound mind. God does not bring destructive fear, but there is something that's called constructive fear, which we'll talk about in just a second, okay? So again, so number two, we said, whatever may happen in our lives, we can rest securely because God lives within us. This text says, 
that the Lord is my helper. Look at number three. Verse, number three. Third, third thing that we glean from Psalms 46 number, because whenever we go to the scripture text, we should look to glean something that we can apply to our lives. When you come to church, don't come here just to hear me talk and regurgitate scripture and you're not looking for a principle or a precept, a command or a way of living that you can apply to your life. It, it's, it's really useless to come to church if you're not going to do anything that, that just hurt. Okay? You ought to be looking for some, a pattern or a precept or a command that I can begin to introduce into my life if it's not already there. Okay? Watch what the text says. Look, look at the next one. Hope of a bright tomorrow. This, 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 this passage gives us the hope of a bright tomorrow. Uh, go back to Hebrews 6 with me right quick, okay? Because I want, I want y'all to see this. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And let's look at verse number 18. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse number 18. The hope of a bright tomorrow. How many of y'all looking at your life and saying, you know what? I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking. Now, this is graduation season, right? And a lot of, a lot of our young people are graduating high school and college and med school and getting their master's and bachelor's and you know, just uh, just getting out. Some of them just getting out. They're just glad to be out, okay? <laughs> but what that signifies is you're going to the next phase in your life. Now, again, you're decisioning after that, 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 that marking point of graduation is going to be critical and crucial. Here's what I've learned. People will be a little patient with you when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, and making bad choices and bad decisions. But now that you're 22 and 23, and now that you get on 18, I think people are not as impatient with you because they figured you ought to be learning something. See, anytime a child gets to the point to where they won't listen to wise counsel, they've entered into the category of being classified as a fool. Don't be calling my baby a fool. I didn't call your baby a fool. But if the baby acts foolish, he's a foolish person. Listen to me very carefully. And, and all of you all who are in that season of life, in that 18 to 25 to 27, maybe even up to 30s. Because I, what I, you know, sur surveys are telling us and, and sociologists are telling us that, that and it's, it's, they're telling us, and it's, it's, it's a real, it's a true fact, that children are maturing much later in life now. Okay, let, let, me, let me talk to you. Can I say it this way? They're maturing much later in life now. Things that you did at, some of y'all were out on your own in 17, 18 when you were younger. I mean, if I go back 60, 70 years, I was out on my own at 22 and Marrera was 20. Like, can you imagine that? Out on my own, Sustaining our own self, paying our own bills, not borrowing from mom and daddy every week. I need to survey the audience right now. I ain't looking for nobody, but, I, but you feel me, you feel me, okay? It, but 22 and 20. Some of y'all are like, well, that, that's still my baby. 22 and 20. What, what sociologists are telling us now is now kids are hanging on much longer. And now it's instead of 22 and 20, it's 27 and 28. Where they're still hinged or connected to mom's umbilical cord. Y'all know what an umbilical cord is, right? How many of you ladies have ever had a baby? Let me see your hands back, ladies. Do you not realize that that, that when you are pregnant, that child is in your womb and, and, and the nourishment comes, is fed through the umbilical cord to the baby. I'm looking at my nurses. See, they know how to nod at me to make sure I ain't going off course. But the nourishment comes down to the umbilical cord and there's an emotional attachment that takes place between mama and baby during that nine-month period of incubation in the womb. I like the way I said that. Glory be to God. <laughs> There's an emotional attachment that takes place so much so that some women, when that connection is broken physically, they go into what they call postpartum depression. 
because that connection is no longer there. And here's what I believe. Some mamas on this Mother's Day are still going through postpartum depression 20 years later. 25 years later, and they can't let that baby go. Hmm. That young man is not a young man now and not caring for himself because mama said, I'm going to stay connected to you at an unhealthy level. Yeah, thank you. I got one amen in the house. <laughs> so as a result, there's some unhealthiness there. There's, there's, not, there's a lack of the maturity that, that God has designed for that child to, to walk in, and so now they stand a little bit longer. I want to encourage every last mother in here and every last papa in here, every last dad in here, learn how to train your children up in the ways of God. Learn how to, to teach them how to be responsible for their own decisions such that they are responsible when they make a choice or decision. Quit bailing them out of everything they get themselves into because they'll never learn how to be an adult. Do this right. They say, tch, tch. look at every mama and say, mama. Tch, tch. I don't do that at five. They still need you at five, but I'm talking about 25. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. All right. So, so, so watch, watch it. Watch what the text says. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Watch this. Look at it. Look at me. Can y'all read with me? Let's read together. It says what? So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. What is, what's unchangeable? His promise and his oath. When God says a thing, amen, that's unchangeable. The word of God changes not. He is a God, amen, who cannot lie. Look what the text says. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It ain't impossible for you to lie, but God ain't going to lie. Watch this. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for what? How many of y'all need some refuge every now and then? How many of y'all need to be protected from yourself every now and then? Come on now. Listen, guys, there are times when we need to be protected from ourselves. I thank God that he'll, he'll guide our pathway and lead us and keep us from hurting our own self sometimes. Because how many of y'all look like I have made some foolish choices and decisions in your life since you've been saved? I mean, since, 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 since God delivered you, saved you, sanctified you, filled you with the Holy Ghost. How many of you have made some foolish choices and decisions and God said, you know what? I know that was foolish and wrong. I'm going to cover you this time. Like you did Adam and Eve. I ain't going to expose you publicly. I'm not, as a matter of fact, God is not in, 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 into exposing you publicly. Y'all know that, right? He's in to cover you, but the enemy is into exposing you publicly. The enemy is into putting your stuff out there on, on, on social media. The enemy is into throwing your, your junk into the, into, the, into, the, into the blogosphere where people are talking about you, but God says, I want to cover you. I love you. I want to protect you. I don't want to put you out there bad. But now also understand this. It, God doesn't want to put you out there bad, but if you refuse his protection, if you don't run to his city of refuge, amen, where he protects you, then you, you, you end up being out there real bad. And the enemy wants nothing more than to take a person who's name the name of Christ and put your junk in the wind. Yeah, that's what he want to do. Because what, what's he trying to do? He's trying to ruin your testimony. He's trying to embarrass you. Now again, listen to what I'm saying. If you got secret sin going on, you need to, you need to repent of it. Do y'all know what the word repent means? It means that there it is back there. I'm going in a different direction. If I'm still dipping, I ain't repenting. Did y'all hear me? I said, if I'm still dipping, I'm not repenting. Because true repentance will, will, will manifest itself in changed behavior. If I have not changed my behavior, if I have not turned to loose my little pet sin, 
that I'm not really truly repented of it. I'm just talking. I'm just saying something. I'm just sorry I got caught. So you can tell when somebody's sorry they got caught because they keep going back and doing the same thing over and over again. Y'all hear me? Can we be honest? So, so quit saying, well, I just gave it to the Lord. and I just, No, you didn't. Because you repent, you turn away. Some stuff you have to turn away from even when your flesh don't want to turn. Because the Bible does say this. Sin, come on now, is pleasurable for a season. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Running around, dropping your seed, and got five baby mamas, it's pleasurable for a season. Until you get your job and all your check. Huh? <laughs> As they say, the man getting all your check to for it on rightfully so, because if you drop the seed, you are responsible for taking care of the product, the child that comes forth from that dropping your seed. Sam was pleasurable until you got your check and saw you only had $90 left after they took everything. Sam was pleasurable until you went to the doctor and they told you we can't get rid of that. We can just kind of help you to maintain it. I'm in my pastoral mode this morning, y'all. In case y'all didn't know. Yes, y'all know. Sin was pleasurable and you had fun until they came to take your house because you gambled away the mortgage. Having fun, it's just entertainment. Pastor, why are you being a fuddy-duddy and against me going to the boat and gambling? I just take my money. I only take a little portion of it. And I take a little portion of it, and I, I go and have my fun with it. Everybody ever got hooked said, I just, I'm just having a little fun. I got my little set aside, and they never thought they'd get hooked. It was pleasurable for a season. It was pleasurable to smoke the marijuana. Until you got hold of some that was laced with some stuff that drove you crazy. See, sin will take you farther than you want to go. And God, who's your protector, is always trying to pull you back into the fold. He's trying to get you to the point to where you recognize that he loves you. And he's not doing anything uh, except to try to keep you, amen, in fellowship with him. Can I get a witness? Now watch, watch it. So God has given both his promises. Oh, these th two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope that lies before us. We have a bright future, guys. We already know, Lou, what the end's going to be. The Bible tells us that in the end, we are victorious. Jesus is going to come and crack the sky and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and then we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We know what the story is going to be in the end. We got a bright future. So number three, we said what? Number three, we said what? We learned this. We got a hope of a bright tomorrow. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, my future is so bright. I'm going to start wearing shades in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start wearing shades in the church. When you see me with shades on, don't think I'm trying to be cool, but my this future is so bright, I can't even stand it. Can't stand it. There you go, there you go. <laughs> guys, guys, don't let the enemy tell you that you're worthless. Don't let the enemy put those thoughts in your head that you are incapable that you are less than. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. Number four, point number four that we learned from Psalms 46. Number four, God has given us the record of his past faithfulness to strengthen us for our present challenges. Watch this now. God has given us the record. Check the book. 
Check the book of your own life. God has given us the record of his past faithfulness to strengthen us for our present challenges. See, in his inspired word, God has preserved his, his long history of faithfulness to his people. You go back and read the Old Testament and see how many times God, amen, delivered his people. Go to the book of Judges. We, we studied the book of Judges and see how God in his infinite wisdom and in his grace and love and mercy in, in order to, to, to get his people to be in right relationship with him, God would allow them to go into captivity so that they could turn their hearts back toward him. See, there's nothing like persecution and adversity that will cause you to turn your hearts toward God. Because I'm telling you, when you stop listening to me, I'm your pastor. When you stop listening to me, God said, well, they ain't listening. They're not listening to the pastor anymore. I gave them a pastor uh, to feed them with wisdom and knowledge from high. And he's representing me to them, but they're not listening to the pastor any longer. So you know what? I got to go a little bit deeper with you. How many of you have had to go a little bit deeper with your children before? Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah but you, you ain't listening to me. See, yeah, yeah, you, you should have been studying that. You, 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 how, you got a, how you got a zero on, on homework and all you got to do is turn it in? Don't even check it. You just, just turn it in and, and, you, and you get a grade. How you got a zero on homework and all you got to do is turn it in? They ain't looking for it to be right. Just turn it in. They want to see you made effort. So, so we, we did this last semester, didn't we? Okay, all right, we got to go a little deeper. Right, we're going to take some stuff, okay? You know that phone that you love? And that PC that you own all the time, you know what? We're going to take that, okay? And we're going to hold it for about a month or two. Mm -hmm. But my friends, what they going to think? I don't care what they think. Your friends ain't having to raise you. And your friends ain't going to have to pay for summer school because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Hmm? So we're going to take that. Well, they may have to go a little deeper, so you still, we're going a little deeper, okay? Now, you're 16, but you still think you're too old to get a whip. Okay, no, no, let cross the bed. Get away. Come on. Let, let's show you how you do in the old day, okay? The rod of correction, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction do what? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction do what? So if you want foolishness out of the heart, what do you got to do? Drive it out. Everybody say, drive it out. Yeah, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you before I whipped you and after I whipped you, but we're going to whip. Because I had to go a little deeper with you because just telling you and just you listening to your, your, your real for Christ counselors on Wednesday night didn't do it. You sitting here on Sunday and pastor was telling you and you didn't listen. All right. So we got to go a little deeper. I love you, man. We got to go a little deeper. Huh? I, you, my son over there, I, I love him. He, he dressed sharp over the day and he's graduating next Saturday. Thank God for your junior. I love you, man. This dude, uh, I'm proud of this dude. Yeah. But there's some time when we, we, have to, we have to check him and say, hey, son, wait a minute, wait, watch, watch that tone. Watch that tone. Come on now, how many of y'all to tell the truth? Watch that tone. Some of y'all know we, if, if your tone got out of, I need some old saints in the house to, to let, raise your hand and say, my mama would slap the taste out of my mouth if I started talking like that. Yeah. Amen. Watch the tone. Y'all ain't heard that before. Slap. How many of y'all ever had this taste slap that you? I'm not, I'm not saying that that was right. But I bet you this, you stopped talking foolish to your mama. Yeah. Your mama said, well, you got anything to say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got anything? You show yourself? Mm -hmm. God has given us the record Watch this, of his past faithfulness to strengthen us for our present challenge. What does that mean? That means that God is recorded in history. As a matter of fact, the Bible says these things were recorded and happened to Israel so that, you know, we won't fall. There is stuff that God recorded in the scriptures so we can see his faithfulness to his people. See, when I'm in covenant with God, God's in covenant with me. There are privileges that come along with being in covenant with God. See, it's not all about me not doing certain things or, or me whatever. It's about God saying, you're my child. 
I love you unconditionally, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep you in my presence. Because God wants fellowship with us. See, we have relationship because we're born again, but sometimes our fellowship with God is broken because of our decisioning. We run away from him. He, he's not running away from us, but we run away from him. All right? Number five. Look at number five. Let's go. So his past faithfulness. Uh, and, and while... while um, um, while, while we go into this number five, let's turn to Romans 15 and four, okay? Number five, God will send his angels to protect and assist us in times of trouble. Go to Romans 15, verse number four, right quick. And um, God, will, while we, God will send his angels to protect and assist us in times of trouble. Yes, he will. That's what happened with Joseph and them. Those enemies got confused and start killing each other. God will send his angels to protect and assist us in times of trouble. Yes, he will. Hallelujah. Watch this. Romans 15 and 4 says what? Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to do what? To do what? To do what? Now, guys, let me tell you something. If, if these things were written in Scripture to teach us, but we spend no time in the Scripture being taught, then even though it was written to teach us, we're not reaping the benefits of it being written, written to teach us because we're not in the Word. Okay? Let's stop playing. Let's stop trying to fool people as if we are really pursuing God. If you're not, if you haven't been, okay, today's a new day to start. God says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. One thing God will not do is violate the integrity in, in which he made us. He made us as free moral agents. That means that, 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 that means, Sherry, that he, he, he will not make us do anything. In other words, we have a will. But when we choose to observe his will and obey it, then we reap the benefits of it. But he's not going to make us do it. He's not even going to make you cast your cares, I told you on last week. You have to decide to throw it over on him. If you want to sit there and worry about that thing, God will let you worry about it all day long. I'm just worried. Why? Throw it over on Jesus. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Watch this. Look at this. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us what? What gives us hope? Hope. The scripture does. And they give us hope and encouragement. Watch this, guys. What gives us hope and encouragement? As we do what? Wait how? What, what, what type of, of figure of speech is patiently? Y'all know this. It's, it ends with the L-Y. That means it's an adverb. An adverb does what? Describes the verb. It tells you how you ought to wait. Some of y'all wait impatiently. And I've been that way too sometimes. I'm waiting, but I'm waiting impatiently. How can you tell you waiting impatiently when you start to complain, when you start to whine? Y'all ever whine and complain about something? The text says, look at it, guys. Come on. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to do what? To teach us. And the scriptures give us what? Hope and encouragement as we do what? Y'all know, look at, that, look at that last thing. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God promises to be fulfilled. Some of us got to do better in the waiting room. Do like you do when you go to the doctor's office, you're in the waiting room. Most of the time you do what? You start reading. You pick up something to read. How many of y'all read a magazine or a book or your, your iPhone, iPad when you're in the waiting room? How many of y'all sit up in the waiting room and <sighs> going to the nursery station every five minutes? How long is it going to be? Do we have any of y'all, those kind of folks in here? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you don't, you're embarrassed. But, but most of us, when we're in the waiting room, it may take a little bit longer than what we anticipate, but we sit there and we wait. We read. Huh? We'll take care of some business. While we're in the waiting room. So, see, there's, there's a waiting room of life where we got to start while we're waiting on God to promise to be fulfilled. We ought to be in this book reading and encouraging ourselves with his promises. 
The text says such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures gave us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be what? Fulfilled. Okay. So the last thing, the last point that we said, pop that one back up. Number five, God will send his angels to protect and assist us in times of troubles. You know, angels came and ministered to Jesus when he was tempted, right? Y'all remember in the wilderness? Y'all do know Jesus was tempted, right? In the wilderness by Satan. And every time Satan came with a temptation, what did Jesus do, guys? He put the word on it. It's, it's our pattern. It's our, it's, it's our, it's our pattern. That's you, Brother Roger. It's, 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 it's our pattern. God bless you, man. Good to see you. It, it's, it's, it's our pattern for dealing with temptation. Every time the enemy came, Jesus went to the word. So now if he did that, what do you think about us? How many of y'all know that temptation is not sin? Think of, I want y'all, just real quickly, think of a temptation that you've been faced with over the last week or so, maybe the last month. Think about it. Just for, what, what's, what have you been tempted to do that you know that was outside of God's will in the last month or so? I ain't never been tempted. Yes, you have. <laughs> stop that line. Look at neighbor, neighbor, stop that line. Everybody faces temptation. So think about it. What temptation, you know, here's what temptation is. There's a difference between a test and a temptation. A test is something that comes into your life to perfect you, right? A temptation is something that comes into your life to destroy you. A test, oftentimes sent by God to perfect you, a temptation sent by the enemy or our flesh to destroy us. So when that temptation comes, the thing that's trying to destroy you, ruin your testimony, what do you do? How do you handle it? Do you get in the corners of, please, Jesus, please, 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 Jesus, please, please help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Okay, go to God in prayer, but you got to go to the word. The word helps to insulate us and sustain us. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, Matthew 4th chapter. It is written. Every time the enemy came with a temptation, he said what? It is written. So, but if I don't know what's written, guys, if I, ha I have no clue, then I'm going to be at a distinct disadvantage when temptation comes my way because the word helps me to stand. All right, so God will send his angels to protect and assist us in times of trouble. Yes, he will. Watch this in last scripture. Just write this one down. Uh, Hebrews 1 and 14. Write it down. And, we, and my time, I'm finishing on time. I got 30 seconds left. I'm going to be on time. Everybody say the pastor is on time. Not if you don't read the scripture first, okay? <laughs> Hebrews 1 and 14 says, Therefore, angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. Angels are servants, and they're, they're, they're sent to care for us who are saved. You have angels watching over you. Isn't that awesome? You have angels there to protect you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God.